Oh, hi. You're back. Well, I'm so happy to be able to share some of my thoughts with you again. My name, if you've not listened to me before, is Johnny John Bonbon, as the podcast name suggests. Unless in the future, I decide to change the name of the podcast. In any case, many of my friends refer to me as John. So, you might be wondering what you'll have the opportunity to indulge in during this podcast episode. Well, the topic that I thought I might bring up in a rather unscripted manner has to do with a look at security, data storage, and memory and nostalgia. Now, over the years, for many reasons, which I won't go into, I've developed, I would say, a healthy sense of paranoia with regards to the constant state of surveillance which most industrialized citizens find themselves in. Now, having grown up a great deal in the 90s, prior to the mass ubiquity of the internet and digital cameras, my generation, for the most part, didn't really consider being monitored. We had read the book 1984 on paperback in school about a dream world developed by the author in which everyone is constantly monitored in and out of their homes. And the only way to escape this constant state of surveillance was to make one's way out into the forest. Well, slowly but surely, mostly through the distraction of all of the goodies and features that came along with these technologies, the most common citizen could obtain a digital device which wirelessly connected them to the World Wide Web and had the potential to be used as an ongoing source of audio and video for whomever had the access to that person's device. Now, I think about Plato, who did not write anything down, and in fact, in his day, he considered people writing things down as a detriment to their own memory because it negated the process of having to remember things using your own organ, the brain, and rather relied on an external source. 
And perhaps the same could be considered of today. With many people messaging and sharing images and videos and audio every single day, you could reliably document their every move and their every action and their every conversation and their every inquiry into the internet and their every interaction with an app. All of that information is being documented. And so you could get a very, very clear sense about what anyone was doing on a particular day. Now for me, considering myself a minimalist, which was brought upon by a number of things, but I would say mostly from having to move from place to place many, many times throughout my life. Especially in my college days, I would move approximately every six months due to a changed arrangement of roommates. And every time I had to move, that meant I had to gather all of my things, pack them up into boxes, and then transport them. And inevitably, every time I went through this process, there was a certain percentage of household items and memorabilia that did not make it in the transport and was rather transported to the dump. And after having repeated this cycle many times, I realized how easy it is to emotionally detach oneself from physical objects. And also that these physical objects, especially ones we associate with nostalgia, only serve their nostalgic purposes once we've dug them up from wherever they've been stored in our living quarters. So I've gotten into the habit of throwing away almost everything that I don't use on an at least monthly basis. And in the digital realm, I own a six-year-old phone that has 16 gigs of storage which means that I'm constantly having to delete all unnecessary apps and go into my storage settings and delete messages and images and move all of my photos over to other services like Google, which is in itself something that makes me a little uncomfortable, but it's not being stored locally on my phone. And I've even set my messages so that it doesn't remember any messages, at least locally, older than a year old. Sorry for the redundancy. And in a digital sense, I've had the same experience as when I was moving, in that I no longer have a strong emotional attachment to these digital memories these photos or recordings or videos. I've even gone into Instagram and Facebook and have removed my profiles from those platforms. As one who believes in living in the present as a priority, 
versus living in the future where plans and anxieties exist or living in the past where perhaps regrets or fond memories exist. The present is the most highly stimulating source of input to the mind, in my opinion. And it's also the place where I can have the most control over my emotions and my thoughts. I found through the practice of mindfulness that oftentimes future worries and past regrets or the combination of the two can overwhelm my senses of security and cause me subconsciously to feel as though I'm in an unsafe environment, even though I might be perfectly safe within my apartment, the challenges or that I perceive or the made up conversations that I have or the possible dangerous outcomes that I calculate seem as though they're happening presently. So, I am slowly but surely, both physically and digitally, increasing my actualization of my minimalist philosophy. So, what is my conclusion in all of these ramblings? I've learned to accept that I may be historically a ghost. As I use apps less and less and switch over to apps that store less and less data and use more and more encryption, I'm vanishing from the digital history books. And to me, this is perfectly fine. Now, on the other hand, by being plugged into this cybernetic global internet experience, and if you're wondering why I'm using the word cybernetic, I encourage you to look up the first Joe Rogan, Elon Musk podcast interview, where Elon describes the internet as a cyborg which is basically the digital limbic system. Did I mean limbic system? The, yeah, the, the emotional, the collective consciousness of humanity in digital form that's constantly being updated and is constantly reacting to itself. Now, by being by partaking in this arena i am contributing to this cybernetic collective in training it on how the human mind thinks and perhaps in a broader sense if we are training some future ai overlords this could be good 
so that they can understand us better, so that they're less fearful. Or it could be to our detriment in that it would understand and be able to predict our every move and thought and action. So I tend to be a little more pessimistic and lean toward the latter option. And I sometimes imagine myself as a little minnow swimming in the vast ocean of billions of minnows. And as these large fishing net ships are going through and scooping up my millions of fish brethren by disconnecting I am able to more safely swim through the hidden crevices of the ocean floor or in the rocks or wherever because I'm not a part of the mainstream, so to speak. And to me, that gives me a higher chance of living longer, or even if it's the government. Uh, I've learned ever since the early days of social media that the things that we post are not private. They're not going only to our friends. And to have the mindset that whatever we post, we should be comfortable having on a billboard. I think this current generation is much better about this. They tend to be more anonymous. They tend not to use Facebook. They tend to... Instagram is maybe a toss-up. But they use things like Snapchat, which delete the messages and images and notify you if screenshots are taken. So I think they're better than the previous generations. And... So I think... In that sense, the less that's known about me, possibly the better. And to have a very limited public perception and a very controlled public perception can serve to protect me in a social sense. Now, some people have brought up the argument, well, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about. Well, yes and no. And I would wager to say that if anyone were to have their internet search history or incognito mode history posted on the evening news, they would not be too happy about that experience. And I can't think of a single person who wouldn't ever want the option of having a private conversation with somebody. We all have private, embarrassing matters that we'd rather only our closest friends know, or sometimes not even our spouses know. There's some things that we just don't want people to know about ourselves, perhaps because we don't understand those aspects of ourselves, or we don't expect anyone else to understand them. 
whatever the case is, privacy is absolutely a high value aspect or asset. So, what to do? I'm going to continue little by little taking steps to peel myself and unravel myself from the human social grid. And as future technologies emerge, I will most likely be a bit more skeptical before adopting them. The technology I see most likely to be ubiquitous is AR, which takes surveillance to a whole new level because now not only are you being listened to and you're being watched anytime you have your phone out, but now if there's cameras on, let's say, an AR device headset that you're wearing everywhere you go, now you're essentially allowing your own experience of life to be simulated. Your audio and visual feed from your own eyes and ears is now being transmitted into the digital realm. And now every single person that you look at is now being face ID'd and also logged. In addition to the six degrees of freedom, which is often talked about with virtual reality, referring to the three rotational axes and the three translational axes, so movement and rotation, that data is also being transmitted. Or has the potential to be. So as much of a fan as I am of emerging technologies and especially virtual reality and augmented reality and as eager as I am to see these manifest so as to create surreal experiences I am not so eager for the surveillance and data collection that is inevitably going to be a part of that package. So perhaps in the future, there will rise up third-party technology companies that make these AR, VR experiences available without tracking every single nanosecond. Oh dear, (laughs) this got very paranoid very quickly. But my philosophy is that the best way to live is having the broadest sense of awareness possible while still having complete control over my own emotions. So I can keep these things in mind and have a vague understanding of possible dangers and not live in a state of fear. I can simply dance with it 
and go about my business with that awareness that is going to help shape my behaviors and my words and my aspirations. And as a child, growing up in a religious setting, I was told that God's always watching. And somehow, even though I had that idea, it still didn't stop me from doing things I knew I shouldn't do. But now that I know that other people are possibly watching or had the possibility or potential of watching that serves as a much stronger motivator to be a source of good in the world and although good and morals are ultimately subjective they're are a collection of values that seem pretty universal and pretty agreed upon across the world if all of the oh I can't think of the word if all of the other details are stripped away if all of the mythologies are removed if all of the culturally specific values are removed, the core values tend to be pretty close. And if people are able to see from each other's perspectives and actually listen to each other, we may find that we actually agree on much more than we disagree on. Thank you so much for listening. It's been my pleasure to process these ideas verbally and it would give me even greater pleasure knowing that perhaps these words have helped others to process these types of ideas as well. And if it is the case that by listening to this you felt some sense of stress or fear or paranoia I offer that you just allow those feelings to pass and you move on with your life. Or perhaps take some actions that would grant you greater privacy. Thank you again. Good night. I love you.